Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and um, through the, um, we always say through the way of modern technology, but um, you don't really understand sometimes how, what lengths we go through uh, to actually do this podcast. Uh, Rob, where are you right now? We, we've had some strange scenarios. You've been in foreign countries, I've been in foreign countries. Um, I've been in the harbour once uh, after we won the league. Where are you right now? Yeah, I've also been on a balcony in Croatia, haven't I, for one podcast as well, overlooking the sea. Uh, uh, not quite so glamorous today. I'm sat in my car in a <laughs> car park outside work uh, in a village just outside of Peterborough. Nice. But, you know, I've, I've got a really busy week, but we really needed to get together to talk about um, about Brendan Rodgers, etc. So, you know, I'm, I'm forfeiting my lunch break to sit it sweating in my car talking to you, Pete, but... More importantly, the wonderful listeners around the world. There we go. That's exactly right. Unfortunately, I'm busy in the evenings all this week with pre-Cheltenham build-up and, um, and and you're free in the evenings and it doesn't quite work out. And So there we go. Anyway, uh, on with the show. It's Brendan Rogers. basically. We haven't uh, done an episode since he was appointed. He was appointed the day after we did our previous podcast regarding Puel leaving. The game itself against Watford on the weekend, and then we have a preview of Fulham later. We're going to get a Fulham guest on, uh, so stay tuned for that. And hopefully get a Rogers angle as well. That's in the pipeline. If it appears on the podcast, then fantastic. If not, don't worry. We might put it out as actually as a separate one um, with some boys up at the Anfield Wrap. But we'll, we'll wait and see what happens there. Um, first thought, Rob. All the furore really is now hopefully <laughs> starting to go down and and drop away. Um, I was I was on the Anfield Wrap uh, discussing Rogers and um, I said it's the first time that Leicester City has ever either bought a player or essentially bought a manager from a club, and we've been associated with kind of poaching and taking a person. It's normally the other way around. Normally, Leicester are the team who are poached, i.e. what happened with Martin O'Neill and, and Celtic in the year 2000. He went to that bigger club and everyone went, OK, fine. It's a shame, but they could understand it. Um, Emil Heskey gets bought by Liverpool. I used an example. Again, most people went absolutely fine. It's a real shame, but we can completely understand and you look at his career and not a problem. It's just the way that, that, that that's what our place in football is at Leicester. This is the first time it's been the other way round and we've ha- seen the furore of a, of a club from what used to be our point of view. Yeah, and it makes a real statement about the level that our club is at now. We talk um, in great detail on this podcast about how much admiration we have for the owners and how, mu- how much gratitude we have towards the owners uh, and the way that they have really helped this uh, this club progress on every single level, not just on a playing level and not just sort of getting into the higher reaches of the Premier League, but on every single level as a business, um, as an attraction for, for players and managers, as you've just mentioned there. It is a place where Brendan Rodgers could see himself 
being rather would rather be on Filbert Way than at Parkhead, where he was about to uh, break records and and become a treble treble winning manager. Says an awful lot about the direction that the club has gone in so far and is continuing to aspire to go in. I think that's the key thing. He said Leicester is a, a club full of aspirations, and it is uh, no doubt he'll have been. Uh, keeping an eye on the finances as well. He's got he's he's going to have money to spend. He's going to have a world-class training facility to work in. He's going to have a team and a fan base and a club that want to at least be in the top half of the Premier League and absolutely knocking on the door of European places regularly. And you take all of that aside and you think right from a personal point of view even, it's a perfect stepping stone for Brendan Rodgers into a, another job in the top four and another crack at the Premier League title. And I don't think any Leicester fan would begrudge that um, if Rodgers came to Leicester for two or three years, achieved great success, won a trophy, qualified for Europe, developed the outstanding young players we've got at the club, and then said, right, lads, I'm off for a, another crack at the big time. I think we'd pat him on the back and say farewell. I think the way that the Celtic fans have handled it is absolutely disgusting. The helicopter crash emojis, the hoping he gets caught up in some IRA bombing banners, absolutely ridiculous. One, it's football. Come on, why are we threatening lives? It's a football match at the end of the day. But two, look at the success that he's brought that club. Um, and Neil Lennon, I'm sure, will steer them to the treble treble. And that is from Brendan Rodgers Foundation. So I think um, it's pretty poor the way the Celtic fans have handled it. But it is kudos to Leicester that we're in a position to pay money to take a manager from a successful team. It's it's amazingly poor. You don't have to be associated with social media to figure out and to hear all the furore regarding his move. It's it's unbelievable and 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 the things that have been thrown at, at Leicester from from the Celtic point of view regarding the size of club, no one debates the size of Celtic, a worldwide football club, a huge club. That's not the issue. It's it's the fact that they're in a very uncompetitive Scottish league, and and you've got a manager who wants to progress further and another shot again at the big time in England, and Leicester is probably the first step on that. Um, as you said, way to, to, to going for the Premier League title, maybe somewhere else in, in a few years' time. But some of the stuff that's come out has been incredible. Left them in the lurch. I understand 11 games, 10 games from the end of the season. But leaving someone in the lurch, you've won seven from seven trophies, semi-final of a cup and eight points clear at the top. I'd hardly call that uh, in the lurch. And um, it, it, it's unbelievable. The, the one thing that I've I've kind of come out of this and and said to a few people which has really really wound them up is football fans nowadays have lost the ability to just be disappointed they have to blame someone there has to be a blame there has to be someone to shout at or someone to call um because it can't be just either their fault or their team's fault or even they can't just be disappointed in something happening and when i mentioned that to a number of celtic fans on various bits and bobs they basically lost the plot big time. And, oh, you know, we're not disappointed. Well, it seems that way that you are. You've gotten very angry all of a sudden. And um, there's been a few ex-Celtic uh, players, namely someone like Chris Sutton, who um, has uh, come out with a, an awful lot of nonsense in the last, uh, what, 48 hours or so. Uh, you know, Again, referring to the size of club, it's a step down to a club like Leicester. Celtic reserves are bigger than Leicester City. It, 
again, it doesn't matter. The fact that this guy has played in the Premier League and in Scotland, he should know better. He's a, um, I, I refer to use him as a, as a as a pundit now. I think he's more of a, a shock jock just after uh, likes and clicks and that's how he's getting his uh, his work at the moment. But uh, And he's just proved it there. So we'll, we'll kind of gloss over the the furore regarding Rodgers' appointment from the Celtic angle. There's been an awful lot of press um, this side of Hadrian's Wall regarding Rodgers. It's a big story. Again, we are a big club. And the game against Watford that was going to be on TV at one point looked into a bit of a mid-table um, oddity or a mid-table clash before two derbies on that Sunday. And now it's turned into, obviously, the Rogers' first game, going to a club that he previously managed, etc. And the game itself was completely bonkers. There was The first 10 or 15 minutes was just unbelievably quick. No quality at all. Um the first thing we have to say is really he's changed the team. He's brought in Wes Morgan into a back three, which we've been saying, and I saw a tweet from you, that um, we've been championing a bit really for Leicester to go to a back three with the players that they have. And you'd imagine a Sotoyu or, or Benkovic especially would possibly be that middle player of a back three. We know Maguire can play one side. He played very well for England in the World Cup doing that. And Evans is a capable player. Um, Morgan comes in. And uh, we go behind to an early goal, but we get back into the game and then concede late on. It's it's that soft underbelly of a team full of youngsters that um, you would uh, associate with conceding early and, and, and conceding late. And and then, of course, there's a, obviously the big thing about um, Rodgers losing his first game. I don't think that means anything. He's got 10 games to check out his squad, see where he needs to improve. A good finish by Vardy, who did well to remain on the pitch after that horrible clash. But uh, in, in many ways, it that game epitomises Leicester City and where we are right now in terms of a quality pass from Tillemans, uh, a finish by Vardy, uh, a mistake, uh, and we switched off for the goal late on, uh, and we started slow. It's pretty much summed up our season in 90 minutes. It does, and it allowed Brendan Rodgers to watch that happen in 90 minutes as well, didn't it? I don't think the uh, midweek game against Brighton was necessarily... A true reflection of 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 our season, if you like. It was new manager syndrome. The players will have been buzzing because they were told a couple of hours before that they had a new manager to impress who was sat in the stands. The atmosphere was much better at the King Power Stadium than it has been in in many months under Claude Puel. Just I think sense of optimism and positivity uh, that that you don't get away from home, and all of a sudden maybe there's a little bit more pressure because you're playing in your first game under your new manager rather than in front of so maybe that restricted a few players in certain places there's always going to be the conversation about the fact that the formation was changed and therefore it will take a little bit of time for the way that Brendan Rodgers wants Leicester City to play within that formation to actually come to fruition and that's absolutely fair enough he's had what a matter of days to implement some of his ideas um I was interested to see Barnes and Madison um, occupying such wide positions at times. I thought the reason that we would um, have gone to wing-backs would have been to allow Madison and Barnes to get closer to Vardy in more central areas because, uh, as we've identified, as many thousands of Leicester fans have identified, Vardy has cut a very isolated figure in the four-two-three-one or whatever formation you wanted to call it under Claude Puel. Uh, they still played a little bit wide, uh, and Brendan Rodgers said in his post-match press conference that 
it was um, that he spoke at halftime about increasing the pace of the play. Uh, and I think that's just going to be an ongoing thing. Leicester's possession-based style under Puel was more patient. It was slower. We know that we got frustrated by it at times. Rodgers, I think, still wants us to play football, still wants us to keep possession, but wants us to find a bit more impetus uh, and a bit more, for want of a better word, for want of a club, Puelism, intensity. Uh, and we found that with Tielemans getting the ball in a positive position, and showing the quality of pass that he's got. Two assists in four games for him. Vardy on the shoulder. That shows the quality that we've got in that in, in that team if that ball moves forward quickly uh, and if we get it to the right people in the right areas. But I think I, I, I'm almost... I'm not glad because I'm never glad that Leicester, when Leicester lose a game. But I'm... I think it's an, a nice reality check for the fans that thought that as soon as Puel went and Rodgers came in, all would be rosy in the Leicester Garden. I think it's good to keep the fans grounded, keep us grounded, um, and also to identify to Brendan Rodgers the hard work ahead because it is going to be hard work implementing his tactics with a team of younger players, but there were certainly some positive signs on Sunday uh, to take forward into this weekend's game. Certainly is. It's it easily, in my eyes, I don't know about you, at the time when Sven was appointed, um, it was a huge name, slightly on the downfall, obviously, from uh, being an England manager. You have to say, this is the biggest appointment in terms of a manager in Leicester's history. It really is, in terms of a big name. Many people are kind of poo-pooing his uh, record at, at Anfield. It, it didn't end incredibly well. They dropped down towards like sixth place, but very nearly won the league and did very well at Swansea before that. And he comes with a reputation. Yes, he's um, a, bit, a bit of a big head and uh, got a bit of a um, an, an aura about himself that he's probably created by backing himself, which is not necessarily a, a, a bad thing. A lot of managers have had that. Uh, look at someone like Martin O'Neill's had uh, that kind of um, that kind of complex regarding himself, and of course, there's the deluded Brendan uh, Twitter handle, which is which is quite funny in a way. But uh, it, it's easily the biggest appointment, and he's brought a lot of his backroom staff from Celtic, including lots of Colo Torre, for example. Um, interesting that he's kept all the backroom staff at Leicester for now, Mike Stahl, etc. I'd imagine there might be one or two changes in the summer. Uh, just keep everyone here for now bring his people and then they can sort out what's going to happen. It will be just, it'll be massively interesting to see what happens from now to the end of the season regarding the formation, regarding who plays and, and, and how they're changing. I think it's going to be very easy to spot what changes he makes because Leicester have played in a certain way for so long under Claude. It's going to be quite easy to pick apart what he's trying to implement, which which is great. We can then look forward to a summer, which we always would do under uh, the King Power owners, of having plenty of money to spend. But I think the increase now presence of Rogers, and he must have been promised a very decent budget. I think we're going to be linked with all and sundry, as we normally are, but even more so this time around. And um, it's just in incredibly exciting. Uh, Tillyman's again, was, was, was very good. Uh, that pass was was superb for Vardy, who, to to be fair, showed him the way with his arms as well. 
uh, Tillemans today. Uh, John Percy, uh, once again, who was uh, straight with the news regarding Rogers' signing, um, reporting today that uh, Leicester might have to pay up to 40, 45 million for uh, Yuri Tillemans, depending obviously on what happens with Adrian Silva going to Monaco. And also with Monaco regarding whether they stay up or not. There's a there's a few question marks there. Uh, how much would Silver be worth in maybe a bargaining tool for Tillemans, or can they afford or to keep him or to to sign him in meaning Silver if they do go down? And of course that has the interesting aspect of maybe Silver coming back and possibly playing under Brendan Rodgers. It, it's just an incredibly exciting time. It is, yeah. And look, we talk about the the name of the manager it is genuinely Leicester are in a position for the first time where they were able to sign a manager that the majority of fans were really excited by you mentioned Sven there yeah he was a name he was a bit of a letdown in the end but he was a he had some gravitas at the time um and and Brendan Rodgers absolutely has that apart from uh Rafa Benitez he was the highest class of manager on the shortlist, basically, and to go and get him so quickly um, was was a real benefit to Leicester. And look, yeah, it is exciting times. And look, having a manager like Brendan Rodgers, I can't imagine world-class or potentially world-class or very high-level Premier League players looking at Claude Puel, looking at the attitude and the atmosphere around the club amongst the fans amongst the squad even maybe and thinking yeah that's somewhere I want to go and play my football whereas you look at Brendan Rodgers he's already come in and injected some of his personality he's pretty smiley he's pretty chatty he's got his way of doing things he knows what he wants um and he has won trophies he has come within one slip of winning the Premier League I don't think people can underestimate how how close Liverpool came that season um he is on his way to becoming a world-class manager. And that attracts players that are on their way to becoming some of the top players in the world. And if Leicester City want to realistically be a sixth-place finishing team, potentially fifth place, you know, you've got to depend it based on what other teams are doing each season, then the players that they need to have in their squad need to be close to world-class. And Brendan Rodgers, both in name and nature... Uh, alongside obviously the financial backing because you couldn't just put Brendan Rodgers at any old club and hope to attract the players but the growth of the club the financial backing the name and quality of the manager means that we can be very very excited about the kind of players that we can bring in and yeah like you say I'd never th- I'd, I hadn't actually thought of the Adrian Silva thing before you mentioned it there but he might be a player that finally gets his um his time at Leicester, if Rogers likes the look at him, uh, look of him. If not, then yeah, let's hope the Monaco stay up. So even if you give silver to Monaco and say we'll chuck you an extra twenty five million on top for for Tielemans to make it up to forty five or something, on I know I'm only basing it on the evidence of four games, but I'd I'd make that deal. I w- oh, definitely, absolutely, hundred percent. I I would pay, you know, you pay thirty million and, and throw him in if he's going to be worth ten or fifteen. Any day of the week, it is. It's incredibly exciting, um, and and regarding Celtic, of course, we've paid the six million pounds to get Rogers' uh, signature. Now, um, obviously, their best player at the moment is Benkovic. He'll be coming in. The interesting thing with um, with with going and getting him so quickly, getting him before he completes the treble, treble, 
it's an and I don't think anyone had any doubts. There would have been a few question marks because of what happened in late October. But this is a massive tick next to Top being the chairman of Leicester City. This is a guy who's lost his father, who has to deal with the King Power brand and company away from the football club, but also then run a football club that's looking to break into the top six. There's so much on the plate, and we've said so many times how well run the football club is, but this is a huge tick next to top for him going, right, this is the guy we're going for. I've gone and got him, or he sent Rudkin or whoever to Celtic, and they've got him very quickly. It's a huge tick next to top, who's obviously promised a lot of money as well, but uh, it's it's that's a really safe and, and satisfying and, and almost a little bit of a relief as well for Leicester fans. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we, we love the owners here. We know obviously what happened tragically a few months ago. Um, but look, Top will have been brought up under his father's wing. Um, and he was very, he's very much independent in areas of the business, as far as I understand, from, from quite a young age. His dad clearly trusts uh, trusted him, rather. Um, and this decision yeah to make this happen that quickly is is testament to and, and the way it was handled it was handled pretty well you've got to say there was not really any um there wasn't time really for much speculation or any long drawn out talks that affected either team it was done it was dusted i i was surprised initially that it was announced on the day of the game before kickoff but actually what it did provide is a massive boost for the players and the fans, and I think that probably dragged us over the line against Brighton, to be honest. But yeah, um, a tick in the a tick in Top's box. He'll continue his father's legacy and the King Power investment in terms of the training ground, etc. And um, like you say, he's got good people around him in Rudkin and Whelan as well. Uh, and I don't think the future or stability or the running of our club, uh, it was never in question really for us, but it's nice to see that those fears potential fears have been allayed with this managerial appointment and I suppose the one group of people associated with the football club we've not really mentioned so far are the players Ben Chilwell uh, has come out since the signing of Rogers with a very encouraging um, statement regarding Rogers, saying that it's a, a real statement of intent by the football club it means that a lot of players are probably not going to move away I know there's always different circumstances and I, I'm every single season saying I'll be amazed if all our stars still stay for next year. But the players must be absolutely buzzing. Look at someone like Maguire, turned, what, 26 today. Um, he's, yeah, it's his birthday today. He's in his prime. He He's prime for a move possibly to a big, huge top four club. United were linked, etc. And still might happen. Chilwell's been linked with Man City. There are plenty of these players who who might even just say for another year, who maybe in the back of their mind had an idea of moving on, but might go, actually, I can now stay for another year because of what could happen at Leicester. There was encouraging signs. And I know it's just talk and, and, and talk can be very, very cheap when it comes to football. But Rogers did say targeting Cups for next season as well, which was uh, music to my ears especially. But... From a player's point of view, we know he can develop young players, but the the, the established players at the football club must be looking at this, going, "What an extremely good signing!" Look at as you mentioned the 
the, the signing of Claude, I don't think many of the players would have been doing cartwheels. Yes, they would have given him his time and respected the manager and listened to what he's got to say and try and implement his changes. But this must just give all the players a huge boost, not only in the meantime before the end of the season, but also over uh, the close season as well. So yeah, very exciting uh, future future for Leicester City. In the in the more immediate future, it's the visit of Fulham to the King Power Stadium this weekend. No Claudio Ranieri. Uh, unfortunately, I think from a Leicester point of view, um, sacked, it, it was a pretty much a, a poison chalice to start with at Fulham. It, it was going to be a difficult job for him regardless. Uh, and I had my fears about it on the podcast when it, when it was first announced. I didn't think he needed to come back and do anything else in the Premier League. I think his legacy should have been left well alone, but there it is. Uh, it'll be Scott Parker's Fulham to come on Saturday. Uh, they looked all right against Chelsea. It was a pretty close game at the, at the weekend in the, in the, West London derby, isn't it? I guess it doesn't really have a name, but uh, they'll come. They're still fighting. I think they're they're all but down, but they're still fighting. But it'll be interesting to see Pete whether Rogers sticks with the wing backs. I think from a a point of view of um, him wanting to stamp his authority on the squad, he kind of has to. He set his stall out very early, saying first game in charge, his wing backs. I think he'll stay with that. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same starting. Lineup provided all players are fit and well. Um, I just, as I say, I'd like to see maybe Barnes and Madison getting inside and tucked in a bit closer to Vardy in order to to give him the ball more. Because I saw a stat at half time in the Watford game that Vardy had had the least touches on the pitch, and I think that's got to be an area of concern. Also, you have to say that he's got complete free realm on the whole squad, so he could be bringing in players like Iniacho possibly into the first team and, and trying to up front. Anything can happen. It's a real shame regarding Claudio, purely from a Leicester fan's point of view. It would have been fantastic to see Claudio at the King Power as a manager. It, it would have been really, really nice, especially with the new buzz around Leicester at the moment. Regarding the game itself, they've changed their manager, Scott Parker, you said, in charge, so they might have a bit of a bounce it's going to be slightly more difficult than it would have been under Claudio, unfortunately. Um, whether that's Claudio's fault or not, probably not. It's just been a bit of a mess all around for Fulham. I wouldn't be surprised if Leicester are different to the team against Watford in terms of formation, in terms of personnel. I, I think that Rodgers might throw a bit of a curveball here and go, we can revert to tight, but for the first half, why not? in this game, especially against Fulham, try something different with uh, different players at home, using that buzz, because there's going to be a, a big buzz around the King Power, um, and really go for it early on, possibly having two up front. I, I, I wouldn't be amazed if that happens. It's um, it's not a free hit. I know he's got, what, 10 games, 9 games left at the season, and it doesn't matter if we're in and out of form for those games, but you don't want to lose the next three or four on the bounce, and... and that that's not what we want to happen. We know there's going to be changes in the summer, but we want to, you know, build up a bit of a, a, a winning sequence and have a bit of good form, and and possibly because teams are beating each other in our position in the league, possibly try and get as far up as possible. And you know, you're finishing eighth or seventh, even you never know what can happen. But uh, I won't be surprised if there's a bit of a curveball. It'd be interesting to see what um, the Fulham angle is regarding Rogers and uh, to hear what their thoughts, because obviously they're 
into their second game with a new manager. We're into our second game with a new manager. Completely different circumstances. I'm going to go for a very exciting game. I can see plenty of goals. I normally am uh, full of goals and full of optimism, as we all know. Um, I am going to go for a 3-1 Leicester win. I'm going to go for 3-1. And I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to go for Iniacho to score first. I, I've just got half a feeling that he's going to look at him and go, there's a player there. Somewhere deep down in amongst all the doom and gloom surrounding Iniacho and his form at the moment, why not give him a start at home against Fulham alongside Vardy, depending on obviously Vardy's fitness regarding his uh, collision and being taken off against uh, Watford. Why not play him? If you're going to, this is the perfect opportunity, in my opinion, um, if he's going to be given a, a run of games, a chance to prove himself. So I'm going to go for Kalechi for the first I'm going to be brave and I'm going to go for a clean sheet and I'm going to go for a couple of goals and I'm going to get Tielemans off to uh, a score, uh, uh, kicking off his score sheet at Leicester with a 25-yarder because we've seen on YouTube that he can do it. So he's going to do it at the King Power on Saturday. 2-0 win. Tielemans Thunderbolt to kick it off. <laughs> 